welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. If we haven't had a pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is TJ. This is my wife, Melissa, and we're the pastors here at Soul Revival Church. And we want you to know that here at Soul Revival, you don't have to believe to belong. That all are welcome, and you can come into this space exactly as you are because Jesus is in the business of meeting us exactly where we're at. Amen. And I think we've been saying that same thing for How many four, years? Years? Four? Four years? Four years? Four years? Four years we're celebrating this weekend, and we are excited. We've made it through a pandemic, and we're still here. Um, we're just excited to be here this morning to celebrate. We believe that it's so important. You know, time flies. If you are living life you know that we go from one milestone to the next to the next, and sometimes, oftentimes, we don't take the time to stop and pause and celebrate the really important things that God is doing. And so that's what we wanted to do right before TJ jumps into the message this morning, is we just wanted to take a moment and celebrate God and his faithfulness and all he's done in these last four years. Soul Revival Church is not a TJ and Melissa thing. Soul Revival Church is not even just the Revival Squad thing. Soul Revival Church is every single one of you. Every person and every season who's come in and said, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to reach our city with the hope and love of Jesus. And I want to find community while I'm at it. And so we're just celebrating you. We're celebrating that God has given us this gift of Soul Revival Church family. And we believe the best is yet to come. Amen. But this morning, I wanted to share a verse real quick. And then TJ is going to share something. Psalm 9-1 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all of the marvelous things that you have done. It's so important to stop and to pause and to praise God and to remind our heart and our soul of the things that he has done and to speak it out loud. Because that's how he gets the glory. And so we wanted to celebrate some of the marvelous things that God has done in these last four years. Yeah, as a church family, God has given us this vision as a church to help people connect with God, discover purpose, live in community, and love our city. So everything that we do is based on that. And this morning, we get to celebrate over the last four years at helping people to connect with God. We have seen 591 people make a decision to follow Jesus. What? Yeah. Hey, I think we could celebrate that a little bit better because the angels in heaven were celebrating and we get to celebrate it too. And we've only had a few baptism services based on the structure and, you know, our ability in this space. But we bought ourselves a two-person hot tub and we made it happen. Not ourselves. <laughs> the church. This is a global we as Soul Revival. And we have seen 38 people take that decision to be baptized That's and saying so the awesome. old me is gone and the new me is Praise coming out God. of that water to live a new life. And and most recently in July, we had 18 people get baptized, which was incredible because I think we had eight or nine scheduled. So we had some people leaving a mess in some wet jeans. And you know what? We were a mess right with them celebrating and praising God for it. So God has done so many incredible things over these last four years, but it's just a start to the things that come, right? That's so true. We just wanted to share with you guys that we are believing God for more. We're believing that God's going to give us greater impact, greater influence in our city and beyond. Our work is not quite finished yet. So we're celebrating four years, but we know this is just the beginning. We're here for the long haul. Our obedience is a yes every single day to what God has in store. And we're so thankful that every one of you are a part of it. Um, And we're believing God for incredible things. We're believing him to give us ground in this city in more ways than one. Hello, building. We are praying for that. And we're just so excited and expectant. So we just want to take a moment to pray. To pray as we enter into this time of worship. Because as we come in on a Sunday, we're celebrating four years. But it's just the beginning of the things yet to come for us. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for how good you are. And we love you. We love you with everything inside of us. God, help us look more like you. Give us the courage and the confidence to live out our faith. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo! How's everybody doing this morning? I'm excited. It's October 1st, and it's like 70 degrees out, which is awesome. Also means it's really hot up here. So today I just decided fashion over function, I think, uh, because I'm sweating. I don't know about you, but if you were just worshiping like I think you were worshiping, you're sweating a little bit, right? Can I get an amen? 
Okay, anybody who didn't say amen was just watching me getting wild up front. But that's okay. I'm okay with that because Jesus, man, he comes and transforms lives. So I want to celebrate that with everything I got inside of me every single day of every single week. And um, Upon This Rock, that song has been an anthem for us over the course of this last year, maybe even a little bit more of it. But every time I hear it, I think about the bricks. Who still has their bricks? Yeah, if you don't have a brick, ask somebody about it. You know, we might just hook you up because I think we got a bag of bricks still left, a little Lego bricks because as a church in this community, we believe that God is going to build something beautiful brick by brick. And we all have an opportunity to be a part of it. And he wants to use each of us uniquely based on the talents and the gifts that he's given us to be a part of what that can look like. And today, not only are we celebrating four years, but we're also kicking off a brand new series entitled Soul Searching. Anybody ever done some soul searching? Anybody got tired of soul searching? Anybody got to the place like, yeah, I ain't searching for anything. I'm good right where I'm at. Thank you very much. Uh, well, guess what? You don't have a choice over these next eight weeks. We're going to do some soul searching together because we feel like it is important. Um, our church name, Soul Revival. Uh, as we were praying, what, five years ago, six years ago, we made a specific prayer like, all right, God, where do you want us? Where do you want to lead us? Where do you want to take us to? And we're like, Come on, Florida. Come on, somewhere hot, you know. And then God was like, uh, Racine. And I'm like, all right. So this is where I was born and raised. My wife grew up, depending on what day you ask her, maybe Zion, maybe Kenosha. Uh, but either way, she was like, yeah, we're never going to raise our kids in Racine. This was when we first got married. So I'm like, all right, God, you got to do something here. If this is where we're headed, I'm not saying it to her. You have to, you know. <laughs> and as we're coming up to visit family one day, she looks over at me. She's like, I've been praying. I think we're supposed to come to Racine. I'm like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. I didn't have to say it, and you just did it. And then we sold our house. But it didn't just happen like that. It took two years on the market to sell our house in the Chicago area to get ourselves up here because we knew that God had a plan. But through that process, there was a whole lot of soul searching. There was a whole lot of asking God, God, we trust you, we believe in you, but where are you leading us? And, uh, you know, we, we kind of this last series, if you've been here, we were doing Lead the Way. What does it look like to lead the way the way Jesus does? And we tricked you because that was in preparation for this. Because if you want to lead the way, you have to do some soul searching. So the question that I want to ask you today and that I want us to wrestle with through this morning and beyond is how's your soul? How is your soul? Because you might find yourself in a lot of different spaces right now. You might be feeling tired and weary. You might be feeling a little bit lost. You might be feeling like, God, I'm doing everything I can to pursue you with everything I've got. And I'm still just feeling like I'm drowning. How is your soul? Well, i got a verse I want to read with you today. If you got your Bibles, cool. If not, we'll end up throwing it up behind me here. Uh, but Third John. In these books from John, he wrote really short letters, which is really nice. So if you want to read something, get through it quick. You'll be like, man, I read First John, Second John, and Third John just today. In like a half hour. Before I read this verse, just to share with some people. I say this every week and we do that intentionally because our heart is to see people who are far from God come close to God. We want this to be a space where people feel comfortable coming in and coming as you are. But we also know that when guests come in, there's a different uh, kind of feeling associated with the Bible that everyone may have. You know, you think, hey, here's this rule book that if I don't follow everything in it and check every single box, God will never love or accept me. So we want to set the record straight. We want you to know that this Bible is a love story about the God of the universe who has created each and every one of us because he wants to spend time with us. And when he originally created everything, he created man and woman to spend time with him forever. But he gave us this thing called free will, which means we get to make our own decisions. And because of that, a poor decision was made that entered us into sin. And sin just means missing the mark. So we missed the mark from who God is and what God has called us to do. And because he is perfect, it separated us from him. But this is his love story about him coming back after us. And it culminates when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Whew. So that we can have a direct relationship with our father in heaven. So 3 John, verse 1-2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with you. Your soul. If you're taking notes today, the title of this message is The Shape of You. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity and privilege it is to serve you, to love you, and to point people to you. 
I pray that in this moment, Holy Spirit, you would help me get out of the way. Because there is something you have for each and every one of us this morning. That you would transform and impact our hearts and our lives. That you would lead us somewhere beyond anything we could imagine. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Shape of you. Who immediately started thinking of Ed Sheeran? Woo! Took my wife to see Ed Sheeran for her birthday. Man, that was special. This dude, are you kidding me? He's like, all right, I'm just going to play a song. All the instruments, just him. He's got this little foot pedal thing. And he's like, just starts playing the guitar. And you're like, all right, cool. Then he starts like beating on that guitar, making a beat. I'm like, uh-oh, what's about to happen next? He's playing the keys. He has it all into it. And then, boom, of course, the shape of you comes on like every lover's little dance number, right? And as we're just dancing and I'm singing her the words. And I'm like, man, I hope he's singing a real loud because my voice is not real good. But it's just saying everything I feel about the love of my life. And I'm like, all right, God, this is awesome to get to celebrate that moment. But shortly afterwards, not in the moment because my moment was focused on her. But then God started to say to me, like, well, what about the shape of you? You know, because I love the shape of you <laughs> all day, baby. <laughs> but what is the shape of me? Like, what is the shape of me? I know some of you are thinking both ways, right? Like, yeah, I know the shape of me. I've been hitting up Culver's too much. Like, I've been working really hard. I had a salad for four days in a row, but that butter burger was calling my name. Mine comes in the form of an iced caramel macchiato with like four shots and a whole lot of calories. But it's like, all right, what's the shape of me? I need to get in some shape. I need to work out. But I think even more than that is what is the shape of your soul? What's the state of it? See, let me read this verse again for you, all right? Beloved. And, and here's what's really cool. John in this moment was writing 3 John to his friend, Gaius. He's writing him this letter and he's like, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So here he is telling his friend, like, hey, I love you and I care about you and I hope that you're physically well, but mentally and emotionally well too. Because the challenge that we face is we say, all right, I want to follow Jesus. And it's like, oh, I want to be spiritually mature. I'm going to read the Bible all the time. I'm going to get real deep with it. I'm going to pray without season, just like the Bible told me. But then the state of our emotional health is a wreck. I want to share something with you. We, we think that's separate, but it's not, Okay. Our emotional health is directly linked to our spiritual maturity. If you're not emotionally healthy, you cannot become mature in the Lord. It can't happen. So I ask you again, how's your soul? What is the shape of you? And as we wrestle with this question, there is no condemnation in Christ. So if you're starting to feel like, oh, my soul is in bad shape, that's okay. Because if you're feeling condemned, that's the enemy coming at you. Now, a conviction is different. The Holy Spirit wants to convict you to say, hey, but I got something better for you. And it starts with asking us the difficult questions and being willing to dig into the things we don't want to answer to say, where does my mind wander? What pressure points hit me to respond differently? Because God has created us uniquely. In his image. And he doesn't make mistakes. So the emotions that you have, some, who's ever felt like, yeah, I'm not allowed to feel this way. I'm not supposed to feel this way. I know I love Jesus and everything, but I've just been struggling. So I got to just, I might as well just not even go to church. Forget about it. Because, you know, I'm just struggling too much internally and emotionally. Here's the beauty about your emotions. God gave them to you. Every single emotion that you have, God created as part of your being so that you can respond to the feelings you have in life. So feeling hurt, feeling pain, feeling frustration, feeling anger, like those things are natural, but how we respond to them is what matters. How we respond to them is a measure of how spiritually mature or immature, how emotionally healthy or unhealthy we are. Because those salads, they just in our mind, don't taste as good. Unless you put like a bunch of bacon and ranch dressing, you know. But what is the state of our soul? 
And as we process this through doing some soul searching, I feel like God's going to bring us to some spaces that we couldn't imagine. So we got to get comfortable with the awkward questions, questions about our feelings, our thoughts, our fears, motives, and our needs. Let's ask the difficult questions. But here's the good thing about who God is. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, what Jesus is saying is, hey, I've created you physically, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, and socially. I've created you in all these different ways. And when you're feeling weary and you're feeling sad and you're feeling tired and you're feeling down, come to me and I'll give you rest and I'll give you my yoke. I'm not talking about an egg yolk. The yoke is this like bar. You know the bar like when you see an ox goes around the neck? Anybody seen the movie The Star around Christmas time? It's that little thing around the donkey is just running in circles. You ever feel like you're just running in circles? I'm going nowhere. Jesus is like, I got a yoke for you on your shoulders. But the yoke that he has for you is meant to just fit you. Because you have a unique purpose that God has called you to based on your makeup and your purpose within you. But he says, but I'm going to craft this yoke to fit you just right. So it means come to me if you're weary but I got a yoke for you, so I got some work for you to do. You're like, how does that make sense, God? Like, I'm tired and weary. You say come to you, and then you're like, hey, I'm going to get you put to work. But that yoke is connected to another yoke that's wrapped around Jesus. And as Jesus is walking, it's around him, and it's around you. He's like, look, I'm going to carry the load for you. I'm going to carry most of it, but you still got to walk with me. You still got to make an effort. You still have to work on the state of your soul and your faith to mature because I want to grow you. And as you grow and get stronger and stronger, we can carry a heavier load together. That's what God wants to do for us. Because he has created you uniquely. Like in Psalm 139, as David is declaring for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's Womb, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So what is the shape of you? Because God has created you uniquely in his image for a plan set out for you. And he's saying, yeah, and if you're feeling tired and weary, come to me. And I got a plan for you. Because I want to mature you as we walk together on this road called life. But you have to be willing to take a step. And then another step, and then another step. And as part of that, part of what it looks like is saying, I want to become emotionally healthy so that I can grow spiritually and become the mature follower of Christ God has called me to be. It's like, okay, cool, that sounds great, but what does it mean to be emotionally healthy? And I think what I want us to look at is, you know, before sometimes you need the criteria of what it looks like is what it doesn't look like, right? I want us to look at what the, the symptoms are of being spiritually and emotionally unhealthy. Who loves ESPN's top ten? Every time one of my kids scores a goal, that's what I do in my mind. I feel like top ten, ESPN, who got that, that video? You get it, babe? No? Dang. But who doesn't love the not top 10? When it's like not top 10, you're like, oh, man, what mistakes did they make? Good news is they're still in the big leagues, you know. We don't get judged by our worst mistakes. But now we know the source being emotionally unhealthy. Now let's look at the symptoms of what that can be through our not top 10, okay. So number 10, I hope you're taking notes. Because I'm not sending this out afterwards. You have to go back and watch it again. Number 10, judging other people's spiritual journey. Woo, yeah, we jumped right in. And that's number 10. I know nobody else has ever done that, right? Like, oh, I saw them in their Bible app. They didn't even come to church. They posted all those Bible verses on Facebook. I saw them cussing that person out to school pickup line because they got cut off. 
judging other people's spiritual journeys. Check this out. Write this down because this, whew, it's not my idea, so I can be really excited about it. I just stole it from somebody else, but I liked it. We like to judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. I'm going to say that again. We like to judge others by their actions, but we like to judge ourselves by our intentions. Like, man, I know I messed up, but, you know, God is good. He forgave me all the time, all the time. God is good. Amen. But they make a mistake, and you're like, whoo-hoo, they better pay for what they did. Uh-uh, they got away with that? I'm going to tell somebody. Let that just sit for a minute. And as we process these not top ten, process that for yourself. Like, God, reveal to me what is for me and not for my neighbor. Can I get an amen? Goes right into number ten. But it's important for us to have that posture and that perspective. And each of these unhealthy symptoms, I want to back up with the truth about who God said he is and what he calls us to do. We did a series a few years ago, but it's still so important where you have to replace a lie with God's truth. So when we look at an unhealthy place that we might find ourselves in, what's the healthy state look like so that we can have something to work toward, okay? So in Luke 6, verse 37, Jesus says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It's like, hey, let's just leave the judgment at the door. See, everybody loves Tupac. Only God can judge me. But I'm going to judge you. But let's listen to Jesus and leave it at the door. Because in another verse, he says, for the measure you judge someone else, you will be judged. Oof, that hurts. So let's not judge people by their actions and then judge ourselves by our intentions, okay? But also don't judge yourself by your actions because some of you that are out there right now are thinking, yeah, I'm just, I do judge my actions and I was stupid and I'm horrible. I'm not a good person. Why even try? Those are lies straight from the devil. You need to attach yourself to the truth. Got to say, nope, you don't have to judge others or yourself and you can trust in the promise of who he is because he has uniquely and creatively made you. He knit you together. Number nine. Living without limits. We want to do all and be all. In this current fast-paced culture that we live in, it's like, I'm going to just do all of it. I'm going to go to church on a Sunday, and then I'm going to serve on this day, and then I'm going to work, but I'm going to coach, and I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And you're just like, you're spread so thin because you're trying to do it all. And it's not that the intentions are not good. It's just not good for your soul. And it's in those moments you have to say, God, what are the... God things I should pursue, and what are the good things I might have to stay no to? It's not always bad things that you have to put on pause. Sometimes there are good things, but saying, I got to put pause on the good thing for the God thing. So it's knowing your limits. Go back, watch it. Um, we had Know Your Limits was a message in our last series. Again, it was been all leading up to this moment. So if you miss that one, check it out. I think it will give you more context around it. Because i got to get through ten. Normally I have a three-point message. <laughs> Pray for me. Number eight, covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure. See, we, tr we struggle to be vulnerable. We struggle to say, God, I've messed up. Or maybe friend, wife, husband, I messed up. We want to make it appear as though we've got it all together. When in our hearts, we're falling apart. But it's this act of covering up your brokenness and your weakness and your failure that makes other people get annoyed with you. I know how else to say it. I'm just saying it. And I was that person. I know I was because I used to be so prideful and say, I don't want to share anything I'm dealing with on the inside, any of my struggles, any of my anxiety, any of my depression. So I'm going to just make it seem like I got it all together, not let anybody in. And people just like, man, this dude, he's a little arrogant. But I was just lost. It's allowing God into those places, those broken places, so he can start to do the work. And if you don't let him into it, how can he ever help you through it? In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, Paul writes it like this. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You're not weak by being vulnerable. You're not weak by sharing brokenness. We're all broken. We are all broken individuals in need of a Savior. If we didn't need a Savior, he wouldn't have come. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. That's it. Can I get an amen? So if we can start there and say, we're all jacked up. Cool. Now let's move forward together. Let's admit we got some vulnerabilities. Let's admit we got some areas in our lives that we don't have it all together. That's okay. The first part of a problem is admitting you have a problem, right? And accept the fact that you're in that state. And as for us in this church, our heart is to live in community in such a way where we can be vulnerable and transparent with each other so that God can use us together to bring healing and restoration. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Next one. Number seven, spiritualizing away conflict. We would rather avoid conflict and deal with our inner conflict. I'm not talking about the unique ones out there like, no, I'll call anybody out on anything at any moment. But we don't like tension, right? We don't like conflict. We don't like being uncomfortable like, oh, man, I got to say something. I don't think I'm going to say something. It, it'll be cool. It'll just work out on its own. And then it bubbles up and it bubbles up and inwardly you're in turmoil. Uncomfortable conversations are not fun. But they're essential if we want to grow. Not only ourselves but with those that we love. And this leads us back to number 10 because it's not from a place of judgment but from a place of love. See, Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As we're all working to be more emotionally healthy so that we can become more spiritually mature, sometimes that means I got to share the truth with somebody I love. But here's, here's what I highly encourage, though. You take time to pray about it first. Like, God, is this me? And I just want to say something because I feel like I need to. Or, God, is this you leading me to say something? Doesn't mean the outcome's always going to be awesome, all right? But when you love people enough to care about their soul, and it's not responding to their Facebook post on the thread, okay? It's through that personal relationship, like, hey, I see how this is killing you. I see how these choices in your life are hurting you and those that you love, and I care enough about you to speak into it because I love you. And let me walk with you through this. Here's Jesus. He got his yoke. He gave you a yoke. And, hey, I got Jesus, and he's attached to my yoke, and let's yoke it out. I don't even know what that means. But it's having the courage and confidence to have the conversations that might not be comfortable, but it's worth it. Because you care. You care about them, how much they love you. But that symptom as it shows within our, ourselves is just speaking to the lack of confidence we have where the Holy Spirit is leading us. So we need to press into it and say, God, I want to trust you with everything. And even if it means getting uncomfortable, because typically it's not as bad as you think it is. And the sooner you have the conversation, the less you've allowed it to fester and the quicker you'll see healing through it. Okay. I know I'm coming at you with a lot this morning, but this, we're just laying a foundation for what's ahead. And as we reflect on these, we know the source, emotional unhealthiness. So as we continue to look at these symptoms, it's going to help us identify it. You know, like when COVID first hit and somebody coughed next to you, you're like, whoa, did you take a test? You good? Couldn't have been allergies. Couldn't be just a cold. You must be dying and I'm going to die. Get away. Here's 20 symptoms, and if you have one, it's you. You've won. 
But in the same way, though, as we monitor and we look at these symptoms and saying, all right, God, what's the one or two or maybe three symptoms I have that might point to the fact that right now I just, I need to admit the fact that I need to grow in my relationship with you, that I need you, God, because I'm, I'm weary, I'm feeling tired, I feel broken, and I need you, God, in my life. So I'm going to come to you to allow you to do the change in me. But it takes that step. Number six, doing for God instead of being with God. If you miss Melissa's message of uh, to be or not to be, go and watch it back. Because this is exactly what we're talking about here. It's this idea that, yeah, I'll just keep doing for God but I'm not spending time to be with God. Now, it's not saying don't do anything for God. There is a healthy combination that we work from a relationship with Jesus. We do things for God out of our being with God. And that is how you don't get tired through the process. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's saying, look, you can't do enough to earn the love of God. So stop trying. Because it's killing you inside, because you're trying to do, 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 but you still feel the same. Because you're not spending any time just being with God. Is this helping anybody? I hope so, because I'm like, you know what, some of you might be, you're just opening up old wounds. That's okay, though, because that first surgery must not have gone well. So we got to get back in there. Here's a good one, number five. As if any of these are good. But it's good to know, right? You'd rather know you got a problem than just be oblivious to it. Number five, dividing life into secular and sacred compartments. That's why I love the, the Monday morning faith song we just got done worshiping to. Because we love to say, all right, God, I'll give you Sunday from 10 to 10.15. And when they run 10 minutes long, I'm annoyed because I got things to do. I got a life to live. But what would it look like if there was no difference? My faith is my faith every single day, Right? And you've heard it probably before, like you're called to be in the world, but not of the world. It's this idea that God is calling us out into a space because your unique purpose and the, the sphere of influence that you have, God has created you uniquely to reach. But when you look just like everybody else and they go, oh, you're going to church on Sunday. And they're, they're cursing more than I am. They're complaining more than I am. Why do, why do I need their faith? Try to look at everybody. This is for all of us. If we want the world to look different, we need to be willing to live different. We need to be willing to look different. And if we want to look like Christ in our spheres of influence, that is what we're going to be able to do as far as sharing the light with others. But if you come in and you say, I got my faith, it's my own personal faith. I love that when people tell me that. It is my own personal faith. Well, I hope personally you're reading the Bible because in the Bible, Jesus never says, oh, just get alone and hang with me and don't talk to anybody. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Woo! Who gets excited hearing that? Like, uh, I'm an introvert. What's in for me? But with your unique gifts and purpose, God's like, I want to put you into this space to make an impact. I love how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 22, 23. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. What Paul is saying is not I just act like everyone else. He's like, no, I put myself in different environments. And as I'm in that environment and I see how they operate, I fit myself into it because I'm a secret agent. God's got me in here undercover. And he's going to use me to impact their lives. But how do you know the mission that you're on if you don't know what side of the line you're on? You don't know who team you're on. Yeah, I'm on Jesus' team on Sunday. I was up there worshiping the Lord. But on Monday I forgot. I was right back at it. My old crew. 
But when you know whose side you're on and the mission that you're called to, and as you're in these areas of influence, God's going to use you to impact lives. But it's first saying, all right, I'm going to own this symptom because I haven't lived out my faith anywhere else. Here's an easy one that our family likes to do. You go out to eat. Who goes out to eat at a restaurant? Don't lie to me. We all go to restaurants. I know you get the salad, okay. But here's what we love to do. When a server comes, gives us our food, and they go, okay, is there anything else you need? We go, yep. We're about to pray over our meal, and we're going to pray for you too. So could you tell us how we could specifically pray for you? They don't get it out that way. This took years of practice, so you're welcome. Because people would say, no, thank you. Nope, you don't have a way out. We will be praying for you. But you know how many times people have shared with us some deep things? We've seen servers come into tears and we get to pray with them. Telling us the struggles they're going through. You want to know what else this will do? This will help you with number 10. Don't act like you haven't had a server not get you your refill and you got upset. But when you get some insight to what they're going through, what they're dealing with, changes your perspective. But it's understanding, all right, God, how can I be you wherever I'm at? Pray for that, and he'll help you with it. But it's a journey. We're doing some soul searching here, and we're asking ourselves, what is the shape of me? What is the shape of my soul? Number four, denying the impact of our past on the present. We like to leave our past behind us. We don't want to deal with that. That's dead and gone. I'm here right now. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. But little do you know and realize that that past is still eating at your soul. It is impacting the freedom that you have the ability to live in relationship with Jesus. God is wanting to transform some things within you and you're not able to allow yourself to fully let go because there's a past that you're clinging to subconsciously, but then within your heart and your mind, you're trying to choose not to pretend like it's there. It's like when you get a sliver and it's just annoying you and you're like, man, I can't even get to it, forget about it. But every time you hit it on something, it's like, ah, I gotta get that out, I can't. Eventually it'll just poke out. But our past eventually won't just go away. The culmination of our past is what's brought us in to our present. And I've been able to process a lot of stuff. I'm not the guy up here saying all this stuff and doesn't realize what it looks like, all right? Going through heartache and pain and processing what does it look like to have PTSD as a 10-year-old. We didn't talk about mental health when, when I was growing up and younger. It's when you have a... A stepdad shot and killed at the age of 10, and now you're like, how do I process this? Waking up in sweats from a nightmare of seeing him filled with blood going into an ambulance, and it's just like the 10-year-old me needed to have some freedom and some healing and some restoration, but I wanted to pretend like it wasn't there. I got Jesus now. I can't mess with that, but no, God has provided healing, but it's having the truth about knowing that our past has had an impact on our present, and if we don't go to deal with it, it'll continue to take us off course. Now, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, it's not saying just forget about your past. Of all things, it's saying forget about the former way that it has impacted you. Don't dwell on it because I want to bring healing in it. Because otherwise, we're dwelling on it every single day. But he's saying, look, there's a new thing I'm doing. Do you see it? But I got to let me heal it first because you can't let go of something you've been holding on to. Today's the day. It's time to let go. It is time to take some time to process what that looks like. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'll run a little long. It's the first of a couple closes. But we're going to get there because I feel like we need this today. Number three, dying to the wrong things. Dying to the wrong things. See, we might accept a relationship with Jesus, but we go right back to the bottle. We accept a relationship with Jesus. We've been following him so well, but you know what? I couldn't help because everywhere I drive, I'm just smelling weed, so I just fell right back into it. Or maybe you slid back into some DMs you shouldn't have been in. 
Woo, yep, going there. But then we feel like, yeah, but I can't just do anything else. Like I'm, I'm making some decisions and falling into sin, but now I'm a Christian. I just got to walk around with a grumpy face. I can't do anything fun. I can't do any of it. Forget about the life I used to have. It is so boring to be a Christian. And that's the mindset we have. So everybody who looks at you is like, man, do you even have fun in life? You know what I'm talking about? Personally, that was me. When I was in high school and college, ooh, I was going to be a rap legend. Those laughing never heard me. I used to roll up and I would freestyle battle anybody. And I was that white dude just standing there like, let him say something. Let me look at his outfit, their outfit, their outfit. Ooh, I got some ammunition. You better watch out. But then I had this encounter with Jesus that transformed my life. And I thought, I got to put all that behind me. The shape of me identified the state of my soul. My heart was transformed, but the way I was living didn't look like it. And I was like, man, I got to just, I can't write rap lyrics anymore. But then I had this moment with God. As I was listening to a song. And lyrics started to fester in my soul. This is me now. And I'm thinking, God, if this is me now, and the me then looks different than the me now, how could I look like the me then? He said, this is living now. I'm brand new. Found a hope for my soul that I could cling to found a kind of love that I never knew to be saved by grace and there was nothing that I had to do. I'm forgiven at a price I ain't had to pay. He has risen from the sacrifice he made for me. Took thorns, took nails, took it off of me. Afforded me the luxury to live young and free. And I'm reminded to live within the moment, taking hold of my destiny like I stole it. But that doesn't mean I have to control it. I just have to go where he is going. God's going to use everything from your past to impact your present and make an impact into the future. But you got to let them. You got to let them. You got to say, God, the way that you have created me uniquely in my own image is after your image. And you have created me to do things that only I am set out to do. And I have got to trust you for it. Those gifts and abilities you gave me that I was using to honor and glorify myself. You say, no, I gave you that gift so you can glorify my name. I gave you that gift so you can see the people in shackles set free. I'm going to use you to transform lives. And he's got that same mission for each and every one of us. But are we saying goodbye to the wrong things? Are we hiding the talents and abilities, the passions inside of you that God has given you? And you're saying, yeah, I can't do that for Christ, but I can do it for me. Let him set you free. Let him use those things to impact those around because that's what he's in the business of doing. He wants to transform lives. Ecclesiastes 2, 24 to 25 says, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see is from the hand of God for without him who can eat or find enjoyment. Saying through God, I can do all things and I can still have enjoyment in the middle of it. But God, how do you want to use me to glorify your name by everything that I'm passionate about? What's the shape of your soul? What have you been hiding from? Number two, ignoring anger, sadness, and fear. We want to pretend like we're not feeling these things. If you were a good Christian, you wouldn't struggle with these things. Well, guess what? Jesus did. Jesus, as he was getting ready to go to the cross to die for you and to die for me, to lay it all on the line, as he knew he had to die so that we could live. And as he does so, he looks and says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but yours. Are you willing to say, God, not my will be done, but yours? I'm angry right now. I'm upset right now. I'm scared right now. But God, I'm trusting you in the middle of this valley because I know you're going to lead me to the mountaintop.
but how is your soul? Some of you feel so restrained, you can't even allow your hands to clap because you're like, man, why? How? In a moment, we're going to worship. I want you to pretend like it's just you and Jesus in the room. I want you to respond to it because he's doing a new thing. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? Do you not feel it? Number one, using God to run from God. I'm in my Bible every day. I'm praying every day. But you know what? I'm reading my Bible, but does my life reflect my faith? I'm praying every day, but am I lashing out on the people around me? I'm talking to God with all the love in the world, but inside of me, this anger just keeps spurring out. Oh, are you in a state of your soul where you are like, God, I just need you and I'm doing for you, but it's preventing you from being close to him, truly. James 1 verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Respond to that time you're spending with God. Don't just do for him. Allow him to speak in you and through you to transform you so that God will use you to make an impact on this world. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Like, yeah, I was looking in the mirror. I didn't like the shape of me, so I walked away and I'm going to forget about it. No. I'm going to look in that mirror and say, God, what do you have for me today? I am made in your image, and I want you to use me to make an impact on my community and beyond. And I'm not going to just do things because this fill in the void of the feeling I don't have in relationship with you. Because I've just been avoiding you because I'm saying I'm doing for you. But the first thing God wants to do is come through in the middle of your quiet place and say, no, I want to restore you. He wants to bring healing. He wants to give you freedom. He wants to give you peace. So how is your soul? What is the shape of you? See, our life is like this iceberg and you're just letting the world see the tip. You're just acknowledging the tip of it and you see this little space, but what's beneath the water is about to make you sink. But you feel good because no one else can see that. But that is why Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and will find rest for your souls. He is saying, I have got you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to see you through it, but you have got to come to me. Now we know the symptoms, and you know the source is the emotional unhealth within your life. But guess what? You can take it to the source whose name is Jesus Christ who will transform your life. But are you ready for the journey? Are you ready to take that next step? And maybe you're in this space today and you've never made a decision to say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus because that's the way the place it starts. Or maybe it's been years and years and you've been running and running. You're like, no, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus today. Well, this is your opportunity. Because when you're feeling so unhealthy and you feel like you're lost and you feel like you're broken, he is calling you to come home. He is telling you to come to me if you're weary. I will give rest for your soul, but you've got to go. You've got to go. And it starts with the response. So I'm going to ask if everyone will bow your head, close your eyes in this space. This is a safe space, and I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, and that's you in this space, you say, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus. Yes, I believe that Jesus died for me, that his, his goodness and his grace and that he rose from the dead saved my life. And I want to follow him the rest of the days of my life. When I get to three, I'm going to ask you to just shoot your hand in the air. One, you need to know that Jesus came and died for you. Two, you can stop running, you can go to him, and he will give you rest. And three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand in the air today? Would you raise it high? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I'm going to pray here. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray here. 
And as I pray, I want everyone to repeat me because God's word says that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. That's it. That's all that's required. So guess what? You just believed in your heart. You responded with your hand, but now we're going to speak it with our mouths. But I want to ask everyone in the room to repeat after me too. Make it a, a joint prayer. God, I give you my life. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I praise you because you rose from the dead. And you saved my life. I thank you that you forgive me my sins. And I will follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate everybody in this space who made that decision today? Now, you're not off the hook because there's a second response in this moment. You see, because some of you are sitting there and you're like, yep, my symptom, my symptom, my symptom. And you're just like, I'm checking off all these boxes. But you need to know that God's not done with you yet. Matthew 7, 7 to 8. Ooh, Jesus comes and he says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. God's saying, let's activate your faith. Yes, faith is belief in things not seen, but there's an action associated with it. Just like Jesus saying, come to me if you're weary. Well, guess what? You're feeling weary? Come to him. Take a moment to respond and say, God, I'm asking you to meet me where I'm at. I'm seeking you with my heart and I'm knocking this door down because I can't do it without you. And as we sing this next song, and if that's you, I would ask, come forward into this space. This is an altar right here. We'll have a team down here to pray for you. But I, I just feel in my soul that there is an importance to respond in. Like, God, yeah, my faith has been stale. These symptoms are taking me down. But I'm going to the source who is Jesus for the salvation of my soul and healing to give me rest. <laughs> Declare these words because it's the truth about who he is and respond. Have the courage to respond. I know some of you are already feeling your stomach and you already want to say no. You already believe in those lies. You already have too much fear and anxiety about it, but say, I don't care because you can have it all, God, because I trust you with it all, because I know you're greater than my circumstance and you will give me rest for my soul. So sing this with us. Join me, stand, and as we respond, move if you feel compelled. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.